on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and with Lockie away, I've been sort of cycling through some of the best Carlton sort of content creators out there. And so that meant at some stage, I'd have to bring in the biggest of them all. So of course, I've brought in one of the pioneers of Carlton and AFL fan content. It is of course, Mr. Blue Abroad himself, Terry Degani. Mate, how you going? How's that for an introduction, mate? Very, very nice. Very nice words. So, no, mate, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Mate, anytime. And it, it makes it easier to, to bring you in with a win. I know I brought in Paolo last week, so a bit stiff to come in after that Richmond loss. So you've done well to, to come in with a, with a lovely win against Frio. Mate, I'm more than happy to be here after a win. It's been <laughs> too many years of losses. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you have the, had the presence of mind to think of me after a win. <laughs> Oh, exactly. So, look, we'll, we'll get into it straight away. And it was a big matchup, Carlton, against a, another top eight contender. These big matchups all throughout the year. And we, we've come away with the win against the Dockers by 31 points. And we'll get into the specifics as we move on throughout the podcast. But I thought I'd hit you with a question to start. In, in I guess, a broad sense, if you could put that win down to, down to one thing, what would it be, Terry? Total buy-in on the defensive side of the game from not just the defenders. I think the midfield, even the forwards, total buy-in. I love that. I like that. Yeah, I, I would have said like really similar. Just like the, the pressure that we brought that whole game was one of the, the key reasons why we won that game. And I'm really keen to jump into the specifics in that. But before we do as well, first quarter, I want to almost start on this because it was a little bit of an interesting one. Frio come away, kick the first three goals. Last week, Richmond kicked the first six goals. So were you a little bit worried when that started to transpire in that, in that first quarter? I wasn't worried yet. Had it become four or five or you know six, then I would have probably started to be worried. I, I still felt like we were hunting and we were in the contest. We were showing you know strong signs of being at our game. And mm. I think just the opportunities that we were giving our forwards were probably a little hard. Like Harry had one on one boundary, then one from sort of 50 and then one from the mm. other boundary. And they just weren't the best looks to score. And it was just a matter of getting our first goal and, and not letting that gap widen too much. And I thought to our credit, we, you know, Freya were probably on top in that first quarter, but they were three goals ahead. And we know what mm. we're like. I, I was confident that it would only take two or three minutes to get that lead back. And, um, you know, also when we spoke about it just before we went live here, like Freo were good. Like they're yeah. an elite team. They're, they're one of the best teams in the competition. So I kind of expected it to go that way at some stage. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I wasn't nervous myself. It, it's this weird thing. Like Carlton have completely changed my mentality on, on basically everything. And it was because of everything else, like you were mentioning, that was just going right for us that it didn't feel like Richmond the week before where they're dominating everything. We can't even get our hands on the footy. Whereas this week, we, we dominated everything. Like, we dominated inside 50s, 18 to 7. We're dominating clearances from the center. It was 3-1. From stoppage, it was 10 to 6. So, the sort of key metrics that I was hoping that we would step up from last week, we were doing well in all of them. And then the, the key one that showed me that if we could just put it on the scoreboard, this would be a massive win. And that was 10 inside 50 tackles in that yeah. first quarter, which is ridiculous. I think we only had four last week. So that that made me think if we can just get a goal here, we can run over the top. I didn't realize it was 10 inside 50 tackles in the first. That's You're right. That's a phenomenal stat. That that, mm. that um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's also where the, the calmness came from because yeah. we weren't getting trampled. And even, even though Frio had kicked a few goals, they were, you know, they were, I just, yeah, I just, I was still very mm. cool, calm and collected. Yeah. And like even a couple of theirs, they were kicking them pretty straight. They were doing all of that. And then we, as you mentioned, Harry's missing one from the pocket that he maybe normally kicks, hits the post in one that looked like it was going in. So 
we had the dominance everywhere else and it was just as soon as you hit it on the scoreboard, it's going to work for you. So it sort of set that up. And I guess on top of that, last week, Paolo and I were talking about how the key to this game was probably going to be the midfield. We, with the key defenders out, even though they've been doing pretty well without weedering down there, we needed to limit those sort of defensive inside 50s. And look, the midfield's been down for the past three or so games. I've really struggled to to win it from the source. What did you make of their, I guess, collective performance this week? Yeah, total step up. And I think for all the talk of what is missing with our group in defence, I haven't really ever worried about mm-hmm. it because the system has been proved to stand up over the test of the opposition that we've had in terms of not getting scored heavily against. I felt it was just the midfield pressure that probably dropped a little bit and Mm. not for any reason other than, you know, mate, it's a long season. It's just never going to be, they're never going to be at their collective best um, for 22 games. And sometimes you just got to try and make do with when they're not at their best, but there was just a total mental difference to the way they approached that contest compared to the last few weeks. And they really, went into hunt mode as opposed mm. to letting the opposition hunt them. And I, I really just – it might sound really simple, but I just think they they were switched on. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird one because I was trying to put my finger on what wasn't going right. And I'm always someone that's like trying to fix these little problems and maybe I go too into it when there's just nothing to be found and it's just the ebbs and flows of a long season. I'm trying to think, is it not enough people going through there? Is it a ruckman? Like what is it that's not working Sometimes you just need to give it time. And I think you're right. I think that was it. They finally, whatever it was, they just needed that extra bit of motivation. They come out here against a really good midfield, one that's dominated a lot of teams this season and killed them. It was, we we created 64 inside 50s and that was generated from that whole team and that midfield were a strong part in that 14 to five center clearances, which was just amazing. Won the center, won the uh, stoppage clearances by five as well. And to have more of the ball all day leading in disposals and still win the tackle count as well kind of shows you the pressure that was just started from that midfield. Yeah, uh, the total application to the task at hand. And I think the other thing as well, that they really seemed to collectively get it done. Mm. Like they, they were trusting the wingers. The, the wingers were getting rewarded for their running a lot more in this game, I felt, than in games mm, gone yeah. by. I know they hit the scoreboard, so obviously that's the case. But yeah, there, there was... It's really weird because, like, collectively they were a little down in the midfield and collectively Mm. they were all switched on yesterday and it was really pleasing. Yeah, it's this weird cohesion that we've finally got now and I was chatting about it last week saying that these role players on the outside, like your wingers and those kind of players, have seemed to all have stepped up over this last month and it's almost been those key players, whether it be, you know, your Crips, your Walsh, those kind of players, they've sort of dropped just slightly. They're still playing good footy but something just wasn't, at 100% like it was early. And we finally got that cohesion back. And just to add on to the pressure and bringing up some stats, last week the midfield of Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy, Cripps, Fisher laid 10 tackles for the game. They laid 23 collectively this week. We had, I think Kennedy and Fisher didn't even lay a tackle last week. And for them to to step up again this week and really bring the heat, that's why you win games of footy. Yeah, Matt, it really really interests me what the art of getting that motivation level up to a consistent mm. level requires um, because, you know, everyone works hard in the AFL. Yeah. You, don't, you don't play in the league unless you work hard and you train hard. And, yeah, I'm very fascinated to learn more about exactly how a professional athlete, you know, mm. just finds a way to get that sort of like, you know, how we talk about um, bridging the gap between your best and your worst. Yeah. Love to know the work that goes into getting that happy medium and keeping it consistent because it was a mental application mm-hmm. yesterday that I, I felt was the difference. No, I think you've nailed it. Um, any midfielders that you'd love to chat about individually that you think got the job done? Oh, God. Well, they all did. <laughs> out there, and, but I won't sit on the fence. I've got a favourite. Zach Fish is my favourite. Oh, um, just I just love him. I love his energy. I love him as a human. And, um, you know, Chair is obviously out, mm. so someone has to take some of those midfield minutes. And I thought he just grasped them with two hands. And I thought even his willingness to want to get tough and bump Nat Fife and just mm. assert himself physically, it's probably not something 
we've seen from him in his career much, um, but it's starting to show through and, you know, 29 possessions, won a lot of the ball, used it pretty well. Mm. And, you know, I just, you know, want to give him all the kudos. Yeah, it's, it's someone has to stand up when one of your, your better midfielders as well isn't there and sort of him and Walsh have kind of taken on that role in recent weeks. And, yeah, I think Fisher just he, – he's having one of the best seasons. He's definitely his best season by far. And I know some people are starting to say, is he a bit of a smoky for, for all Australian as well, just the way he's playing? You know, was good on that, on that half forward for since really like the Port game, I think, and now getting into the midfield as well, had three tackles five score involvements. He's, he's creating this burst as well, which is another facet of this midfield. I know many people are calling for like your, your Paddy Dows and those kind of players to potentially come in when, when Chera comes out. But I like the different dynamic of Fisher in there where, you know, your, your Kennedys, Cripps, Hewitts, they can all win the handball out, but he's sort of burst away and what yeah. he's able to create on his left. Like some of his kicks this week were just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to play in this team, you have to have a level of um, force to the way you attack mm. a contest. And I think that's the the key thing with what our best midfield has. They're, they're yeah. impactful in the way that they impose themselves. So, you know, Fish has got a bit of that now and he's always had the, you know, the dexterity and he's always been able mm. to work well in tight spaces. Um, but he seems to be, you know, rounding out the full package. Um, what about you? Who did you, who did you like? Yeah, look, Fisher was the the big one that I wanted to, to wanted to touch on because I know everyone else will, will always talk about the others. But now that you've you've taken him, I think it has to be Sammy Walsh. He's yeah. just he's still twenty one years old. He doesn't turn twenty two for another month or something. It's just ridiculous. Forty disposals, seven clearances, six score involvements, eleven inside fifties. He was just that driver of everything good that the midfield was doing. So many times being at the game, it was amazing just to sit back and watch just the, the work rate that gets spoken about where he's gone and done the hard work in the defense trying to win the ball out. And two seconds later, he's the guy getting onto the handball, running through the middle. And you're like, how do you still have the pace to run through everyone else after you've just run the amount of Ks you've already covered? He's just, he's not human, this kid. No, he's not. He's not. We're, we're, um, we're blessed to have him. That's for sure. We're blessed to have all mm. of them. But he's really – it's very unique that a draft pick comes in and lifts yeah. standards as a kid. And he's been able to do it since the moment he walked into the club. And, mate, this is season four already. You know, it's flying by. Stupid. Yeah, it's just – I can't even fathom how well he's playing. And it, it's been an interesting season. He's maybe been a little bit down on just his own expectations because anyone else, if it's anyone else, you're going, what a great year. But with what we've seen from Sammy Walsh previously, you're thinking, I just – I just want a little bit more. He's still been winning the footy, but maybe they haven't been as effective as you've been wanting. And this is your quintessential Sam Walsh game where it looked like almost every time he was touching it, something good was coming from that. Yeah, no, nah, spot on. He's a he's a fantasy pig. I'm a bit of a fantasy <laughs> player myself, a bit of draft star. So I was very happy to see that he was in my team this week. No, definitely a good one. I always try and get like the, the vice captaincy and stuff on in, in fantasy, definitely. Um, you touched on this one earlier, and it goes with the cohesion, the collective unit that is the Carlton Football Club, and particularly that midfield. And it's the the influence of the wingers for me, because I've been pretty big on this podcast talking about, I guess, that like bottom six or those that they're just not the ones you always speak about and trying to get the, the best out of them and see how they perform in your losses. And I think that these guys in particular, these three, you know, Brian, Nunes and Cottrell, even though maybe Cottrell played a bit more half forward, now that we've given them this role, we're just starting to get so much more out of them. And I think the growth has been there over the past month or so. But did you think that this was probably their most influential game so far this season? Yeah, definitely. I... It's really rare that you notice wingers in a mm. game. Like you said, it's a position that probably early in the season, like if you go back to before round one, I think the general rhetoric around the wing position was that it was something that was a bit of a hole for us because we hadn't figured yeah. it out. O'Brien just hadn't found the form that he has now back then. Noons, we weren't sure what his role was. We were playing Setterfield there as well. Cottrell was kind of, again, probably not in the same form as what yeah. he is now back then. But the the trust that's been shown by the rest of the mm. midfield to get them the ball, and then once they have the ball in their hands to actually use it well, it's mm. been great. And I noticed. So if where are we? 
If these are the wings, <laughs> right? I know, and we're kicking this way. I noticed a lot of diagonal running, attacking the goal mm. square from the wing. It wasn't like trying to come around the oval as much as what it was, a bit more direct. Mm. And all of a sudden, we opened up new avenues to goal through the wingers. And really, they showed the Fremantle wingers yeah. up because they worked harder than them. And, and they got the reward on the scoreboard. And I really do think that's one of the key reasons what got us ahead of Frio, um, mm. sort of start of that third quarter especially. Yeah, it's it's not just the goals because I know they did kick five goals between the three of them, which is insane for, I guess, what you expect from wingers and, and I guess what they've done previously. But it was just everything else that they were doing. The movement was there. Like you mentioned, the way they were able to sort of dart in and just use that their, their sort of work rate to get in those positions and even just create an option, even if they're not getting used, spread and, and make the defenders have to go towards them that can open up someone else somewhere else. And I just noticed really that it seemed like every single one of their possessions, almost like I'm talking about Sammy Walsh, it meant more. They were creating so much more from that. And I've been talking a little bit about Jack Nunes recently because he was probably my whipping boy a little bit where it, it wasn't that I didn't think he was doing a fine job. I always sort of said he was that consistent sort of six out of 10. But I was always hoping we could get someone that did more than that, I was always hoping for that next evolution and thinking, is there someone else in this team that can just do that role instead that maybe has a higher ceiling? It was probably a couple of weeks back. I rewatched the game. I was like, no, I'm just going to watch and basically just watch Jack Nunes for this whole game and see what he can do. And I was just so surprised with just little things I was missing. And I think that's really changed my perception of all of these guys, in particular, you know, Cottrell's in this amazing form as well. And just what they're doing around the stoppage, they're uh, staying wide, doing what they need to, just being that handball, being that outlet. And, I mean, all three of them had some of their best games, I think, this week. Yeah, for sure. I think Noons, especially in the first half, mm, yeah, he was he was playing at a super high level. Uh, I'm, I'm very similar to you in that I, I don't expect much of Noons other than do his job, play the role. Yeah. I don't care too much for what his stats look like to a degree. Mm. If he's winning the ball, he's probably got to, I guess, win the ball roughly 15-ish times or more. Um, and I know he's able to do that. Um, but the one thing about him that has really shown through over the last, probably the last 12 months, has been his physicality. And, yeah. you know, I don't worry about broken tackles with him because I know that he hits the contest really hard and, you know, obviously in his 200th game as well. Mm. And you can sort of see as well, you, you read in yeah. between the lines as much as you can, the players love him, you know. Mm. They really get around him. It's 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 cool to see. Yeah, that was probably my favorite moment of the game. I remember sitting on the wing. As soon as he kicks that through, I just stand up and yell, "Get around him, boys!" And basically, as soon as I said that, like every single player straight to him. And I was like, "That's what I want to see." And and watching the game back, the commentators touched on that, saying like, "That's when you know a team has that cohesion, has that love for everyone," because. Not everyone does that when it's just there like 200th sometimes. And we've seen that previously with like a, that got t- spoken about almost to death, which was like the Liam Stocker's first goal. And you can just see like the contrast where he's kicked a goal in his 200th and everyone's got around him like he's just won the grand final because it means something more to him. It's not about me anymore. It's about the team. It's about the collective. And I thought that as well was really exciting to see. 100%. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah, and like just to, I just want to run through some stats on these three because it was just so impressive because, you know, O'Brien, 14 kicks, 74%, had the five score involvements, two goals. Nunes, 11 kicks at 80%, and some of his kicks have just been amazing the last few weeks. I think his creation from his disposal has really helped us sort of spring forward. Gets the three score involvements, five inside 50s, gets a goal himself. And then Cottrell, just this man is coming out of nowhere to be a fair, an absolute cult hero this guy 17 disposals uh and gets the two goals again what are you what are you seeing from from Matty Cottrell I'm seeing him be a lot more composed in traffic and Mm. in seasons gone by in certain situations where he probably would have panicked and flung a handball out a little too early or a little too late he's got a better in my opinion he's got like a real a real better game awareness and game sense. And you can tell that he's got some experience under his belt now. Um, And now, you know, he's always been a workhorse. He's always run hard. My biggest question around Cottrell was, is the skill level too big and will he be able to make it up? But, mate, at the end of the day, hard work over Mm. a period of time 
always shines through. And I think he's yeah. just starting to crack through a level and I'm stoked for him. It's, mm. it's a great story. Yeah. And I think he's one of those players that just benefits so much from a good coaching system and other players needing to be where they are because when he is in traffic, if he can, you know, shift his body weight and get into the right position to get that extra half a second, then he knows there will be a teammate in the right spot that he can get that that handball out to. And I noticed that a few times where he was smart enough to be able to get out of that situation. And then we just always had players ready to, to get the handball off him. And, and that's just such a big contrast from, from what we've seen previously. And it's being able to get that extra, you know, 10, 20% from these role players. That's how we become that sort of top four contending team. Spot on. I mean, I, I'm also just excited and happy to be in a situation where don't have to worry about any hate coming towards any of these yeah. guys because they're, they're performing. And mm. I mean, you could make a, make the argument that the wingers played a crucial role in us winning yeah. this game. Like they've essentially won us a game of football against a top four side. Yeah. You know, I know there was a lot more contributors than just the wing guys, but yeah, that's a very pleasing aspect of, um, of round 15. Mm, definitely, especially considering these guys kind of been the whipping boys throughout the, the last few years. It's good to see them get a few rewards and it always helps when they manage to kick a few goals. And I guess on that, I want to talk about the forwards because I mentioned it at the start of the show with that forward pressure. And that was another key talking point where that sort of dropped a little bit along with the midfield. We were getting the ball in and the, the tools are always there to take the grabs. But I found our smalls have kind of struggled over the past maybe month or so, is that how you've seen things? And then, what did you what did you make of them in this game? Yeah, totally. Uh, I would agree with that. They were just down on their energy levels. Um, obviously, always goes out late, so you think yeah. you know, he's probably, you know, I know he's still inexperienced to a degree, but he really is the senior head of the smalls. Yeah. So he's out. So all of a sudden, Corey Durden becomes that senior head of the smalls. And you've got young Jesse Motlop, you've got young Josh Honey playing his first game back in, mm. in the ones. And, um, yeah, they really made a statement early. They probably, uh, maybe with Motlop and and Honey, they might have faded away a little bit mm. late. But yeah. early on, they set the tone with the pressure. And I think that's what you've got to do early in a game mm. like this against an interstate opponent. You just want to get in their heads early and just it, it pays you back later in the game because that inferred sense of pressure is there. Mm. And, yeah, that was, you know. They were back to their hunting brilliant best. Yeah, I think that's why I was also so just confident with what was going on in that first quarter because it felt like as much as Frio, they're such a good defensive side and they were getting the better of our forwards, at least you know on the scoreboard and being able to win the ball, not give us the greatest looks of goals. They were under so much pressure in there. And when you set that tone early, anytime the ball goes into our forward line, then thinking, shit, I've got half a second to try and make a decision. And it just sort of has that flow on effect. And eventually it was going to lead to goals. And yeah, just the, as I mentioned, the 10 inside 50 tackles at, at, in a quarter time ended up being 17 um, to six by the end of the game. So they didn't even get to the 10 that we got in that first quarter, which is in, insane to think about. And all of them, played a role. It wasn't just one. They all had it. You know, Silvani has the 18 pressure acts. He gets a goal, three inside 50 tackles. Motlop is five tackles, which was the, the the most for us there. The three inside 50, 20 pressure acts. Honey himself, 14 pressure acts, two inside 50 tackles. Durden himself didn't actually lay many tackles, but he had 23 pressure acts, which was the, the most for a non-midfielder for us. And surprisingly, the leader of the inside 50 tackles was Harry Mackay with four. So even he was getting into it. It was just a massive collective effort from all of them. Wow. uh, I've actually recorded a player ratings video and I think I need to give Harry (laughs) a bigger score. I didn't know that that was was the stat. That's a great stat. Yeah. When Harry's Harry's chasing and when the big boys are chasing, Mm. sets the tone for everyone else. Yeah, and especially sort of early when he maybe wasn't getting that reward from himself. He wasn't able to kick those goals early. And I thought him and... Charlie, they just weren't sticking the marks as they normally do early on. That we were getting the ball in there enough, but for whatever reason, maybe we weren't getting the some of the little infringement free kicks that the Fremantle were getting, and maybe they deserved. But all you can ask from is if if, you, if it's not going your way, work as hard as you can to try and win that football and to get you know four inside fifty tackles from a big man like Harry Mackay. That's, that's just unreal, particularly when we don't have maybe that seniority in the smalls. Uh, it's nice to have someone else maybe leading that. Yeah, and it pays you back. You know, you, you go and earn you earn the footy mm. 
and the and the game has a really funny way of um, rewarding you back. So mm-hmm. Harry will have his game. If it's not next week, it'll be the week after where you know he yeah. kicks the four or the five. So he's um he's looked really good since coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Hasn't doesn't look like he's been injured. It's so insane how yeah. it seems like most of our players this year seem to have just come back and just hit the road straight away as if nothing's happened to them, which is good to see because I know the fitness staff has been a big talking point. I've been on that bandwagon here and there. So it's good to see that these players finally coming back, knowing that we've got so many to come back that hopefully they can hit that same form that they were in just before they got injured. Yeah, totally. So um, was there any other sort of key parts of that game that you'd love to talk about that you think were really influential in why we got the win this week? I think we've touched on it for the most part. I mean, the defence, Lewis Young, I don't want to individualise, but the task that we've been giving him this season, first of all, just to be, you know, I mean, for me, it was like when he first came into the team, I was thinking, all right, just be serviceable, yeah. just don't get beaten. Then it became, oh, he's, he's actually pretty handy then Weedering goes out and it's like, all right, just hold on for as long as you can. Mm. But he just seems to be growing more and more. And I think mm. a lot of kudos needs to go to, well, him, yeah. the defensive players there, the coaches. Um, but I think a bloke that hasn't been spoken about yet enough for me has been Nick Austin because the recruiting mm. yeah. this, for this year, the three of them in Chera, Hewitt and Lewis Young, They've, they've all been mm. phenomenal, like all of them. I was actually thinking that when I was watching the replay back this afternoon, there was like an amazing intercept mark from Lewis Young. And I just thought, what is this guy seeing that like clearly no one else in the AFL is? Because he's found another one, just an absolute gem that doggies weren't really sure what to do with him. They obviously didn't think enough of him. And he's he's gone, no, nah, this guy's going to be a star. I'm going to bring him in. He's the one. And that kind of sort of talent identification. And it's, it's to the point where you can't just say it's a fluke because he hasn't really missed so far on anyone. Even sort of the guys who've picked up in the draft, they've all shown some really good signs. And these mid-season recruits, like you talk about Jordan Boyd's come in and played really well. And they seem to be pretty high on, on Sam Durden coming through. And we know what Will Hayes is like in the VFL. This Nick Austin has done just an unbelievable job following some hard footsteps of... um. Sauce obviously there. It's a, it's a big pressure job, and yeah, big kudos to him because Lewis Young eight intercept possessions, four rebound fifties, thirteen spoils, and kept lob to one goal. Who was someone that I know we're all very nervous about him and Tabernar in that forward line, and just absolutely stopped him. Yeah, I, I think also like philosophically, I always try and make reason with why something has happened. And when all mm. the defenders were going down, I'm like, what does this actually mean? What's mm. it for? What's its purpose? And I think I've got it. I don't know if I'm right, but I think I've got the reason why this has all happened. Our back six or our system needed to be tested. And I think the only mm. way to test a system is you take out its best players and you see how it operates mm. when indi- certain important individuals are not there. Yeah. And just everyone that seems to come into this back line seems to know their role so clearly mm. and play their role so clearly. And it's been – it's great. Again, credit to everyone involved, players, coaches, and yeah. just the whole mm. thing. And that's like the testament of a good side is you can take away their best players and it doesn't matter. They'll just find a way to win. Someone else steps up. It's the system that does it, particularly these day and age in AFL. And it's what the defense has been able to do. It, it's insane that, you know – you talk about like a Lewis Young and everyone goes down and it's up to him to do it. And we're just going to be so much better off now because these players have had to deal with this and it's been sort of sink or swim. And every single one of them has, they've not just swam, mate, they're running on water. These guys, every single one of them has just been unbelievable. Like TDK is another one that we're all very worried about the ruck situation. Can he do it? The growth that you've seen from him, since Pitonet has gone down, every single one of these players has stepped up. And now when these guys are coming back in, you're thinking, well, obviously there's a spot for them. I'm not crazy, but like, how's it all going to fit? Who's coming out of this team? It's, it's some good questions that now need to be answered. We've never had this problem genuinely, mm. you know, this issue. We haven't even been playing relevant football at this point yeah. in the year for years. So yeah, it's, it's very, very intriguing to see how mm. it's going to play out. Yeah, I guess. And yeah, talking about that defense, what did you make of Brody Kemp sort of slotting straight into this defense? Great. Mm. Did a lot more than what I thought 
I expected of him. Um, I expected him to struggle and be willing to cop that he would maybe struggle just because he's been floating between this forward yeah. role in the VFL and the back line as well. And is he, is he settled? Is he ready? I know he's got the talent. I've got mm. total belief in what he's capable of. Um, but ultimately, you know, Frio, a very high-quality opponent. Mm. Um, but his confidence to take the game on and provide a, an offensive option, even though he was one of our key defensive yeah. posts, is, um, you know, is something that I think separates mm. him from, from other defenders. I think that's what excited me. Not only did he almost try to take, like, mark of the year every time the ball came down there, which I didn't expect. I didn't know he had that leap in him. But... Like we saw it a bit, like I think it was the St. Kilda game last year where he gets that ball, does the spin, shanks the kick, but like that didn't matter. It was just the willingness to take the game on from like this key defender that you're going, that's not what you guys are meant to do. You guys aren't meant to be able to run and carry the footy. And he had what, I think three score involvements. He had, you know, three intercept possessions, seven spoils, kept Tabernar to two goals and he didn't even kick one after half time as well. And that's kind of what I noticed In his VFL game last week, he sort of struggled a little bit early against Josh Bruce and then slowly built into the game, got more confident and started to win more than I felt he lost. And that's why I thought he did this week. And it is hard when you're not playing AFL footy for quite a while to then jump in and then try to hit the ground running. You can sometimes struggle. And I thought he just he grew into the game so beautifully. And if we can keep having these guys come out of nowhere, get slotted in and have that kind of performance, I mean, we're going to be amazing when we get talent back into this team. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It, it makes the imagination just run wild. Really does. Yeah. Of well, even like this week, because we'll, we'll we'll chat about the team changes soon. But I'm trying to look at if everyone's fit and trying to get rid of players is almost impossible. It's like, do you do you keep Kemp as that third tall? Does he have to come straight back out? Like, it's it's going to be rough when these players do come back up for selection because um, important players are probably going to be missing out, which I guess is is just a good thing at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just want to get everyone, as many of the best 22 mm-hmm. out there come, I feel like probably round 16, 17. I feel mm-hmm. like you want to have a good month to five weeks of your best 22 on the yeah. park, playing consistently and then getting some, some real – momentum going into finals. Mm. Not that I would know what it takes to win a grand final, but I I feel like that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I feel like that's what all the best teams that have been able to do it. It's always, you need that, you need to be hitting your form. You can't peak too early. You've got to run into it. And I think weirdly, when you're looking at the return of those injuries, you're thinking, gee, that gives them a couple of weeks to to get fit, to start to get into form. Then you're playing finals footy. I think we're peaking at the right time, which is hopefully very exciting. Um, Probably one thing I also want to touch on is I didn't actually realize it got this close until I watched the replay. They got within seven points in that third quarter. What did you make of that? Were you, were you ever nervous late in the game thinking that they could run over the top of us? No, I mean, it was game on. They're a great team. They came out after – I mean, I thought our second quarter we were borderline dominant in that mm. second quarter. And I thought, well, their Fremantle – they're going to respond. That's what the great teams in yeah. the competition do. And I classified them as a great team in the competition. And I kind of just expected it. And then once they came out, I think they kicked two in a row. I think that's yeah. what happened. Or two of three or three or four, whatever it was. Then I kind of just waited for us mm-hmm. to respond and get the first one back. And then we got the second one. And then yeah. like, all right, if we seem to be in the clear now. Um, you know, I don't go to games expecting perfection. I go to games expecting us to get hit mm-hmm. as well. And I try and just look at the four quarters as opposed to isolating each individual quarter because it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, we only played two and a half quarters when, no, we we did play a four-quarter effort this week, you know? Yeah, I thought that's what probably stood this performance out from others. There's maybe been others where we've had better quarters or or maybe bigger moments, but this was probably the most four-quarter performance, most consistent I've seen us play this season and it just happened to come up against a really tough opposition. And like you mentioned, and we always love to touch on this is you're never just going to have four quarters go your way in AFL footy teams are good. Like it's a very even competition teams are going to come at you. And I thought we kind of weathered it really well. I almost didn't realize it got that close because I was still comfortable knowing like what you said, gee, we just get the next one and then we can just calm things down a little. Yeah. A little bit, and, and they I'm, they had a fair few chances um, into our defensive fifty, and I thought we just dealt with it fine. 
yeah, we, we've just got, I've got this renewed confidence about us in general, but also us at Marvel. Yeah. I've never really had yeah. this faith at us in us at Marvel where I don't know. I'm not going to say we're better at Marvel than the G, but we're just better at Marvel than what we ever have been. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, Marvel was always that ground where you're going, oh, God. Oh, we're just going to get pumped by someone here because for whatever reason, and I don't know if it was opposition, whether we actually couldn't play the ground because it seems like such a weird thing to say in AFL footy. Like, I know the dimensions are always slightly different, but surely the ground does not have that much impact on the way you play. But for whatever reason, we just could never win there. And now all of a sudden, it's it's our paddock. You could almost just rename it Carlton Stadium because the way we play it is just electrifying at times. Yeah, I think the other part about playing at Marvel is Walsh, he spoke about it after the game and he said that, you know, the noise, it echoes. And that was mm. the other factor going into the game. I was super confident that the crowd would help give our boys, yeah. I don't know, 2% more, 3% mm. more. And that is sometimes all you need in a game of yeah. football. It's something extra that the other team can't get. And Fremantle were never getting a home mm ground reception yeah. um they get the benefit of it when we play in perth and they're really tough to beat over there um and i thought the crowd once they got into the game mm. just gave the boys a little yeah. bit more and you probably see it with charlie kernel as well like every time he kicks that goal he's grabbing the jumper he's pointing to the fans like he clearly feeds off that as well so it's definitely not a, a stupid thing to say because it'd be so hard to, to play on there hear the noise all for you and then just not even take that in. That surely has to make you run that little bit faster, try that little bit harder because you want that. You want to just revel in that. It, it's such a great thing that we're fortunate that we've just got probably the best fans in the AFL and the noise that the cheer squad were, were bringing throughout that game as well just to get everyone up and about. It, it was just amazing to see. I love it. Totally. Um, probably the last thing I want to touch on this game before we jump into some fan questions and, and get into the fan votes as well is this is the first team we've played for a second time. And the big thing I, I wanted to see, have we learned anything from the last time we played? And I think the Freo loss has to be one of the, the worst losses this year where we probably just weren't really in the game for the whole of it. Like it was really, we were behind, didn't really look like we were going to get over the line at any stage. And what, like how, have you? did you see much have changed since we since we played them last? Do you think we learnt much? I think it's not so mm-hmm. different to what happened last week with Richmond but reverse. Obviously, we beat Richmond mm-hmm. round one, smash them at the contest, and then I thought they responded really well at the contest last week. And I think yeah. the same notion applied mm-hmm. here with our return leg against Fremantle in that Fremantle won the contest and won the midfield battle pretty significantly yeah. in that first matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one... We got that right, and uh, also, you know, we're mm. playing in front of our home crowd, and yeah, and and all of that, and yeah, I, I think we got the method right around stoppages, and you know, we didn't let Darcy dominate us at all, so it started yeah. there with, and that's why I gave Tom DeConing a lot of credit. So yeah, I, I think we certainly did learn a lesson, and and also what I touched on before with the wingers, like we we found mm. a new avenue to score. So mm. I think yeah, that was one of the big things for me because I, I was. Fortunate or maybe unfortunate to to be at that game um, over in WA when we lost there. And the biggest thing was just our inability to move the ball. Like Frio, we know how good a defensive side they are. They make it hard for you to to transition the ball and get those forward entries. And like last time it was, we've got the ball, kick it short five meters and then kick it long down the line. That was all we were doing and we didn't try anything else. And I think since then our ball movement has progressed and we've got a lot better at it. And then this was the perfect example to be like, okay, this team killed you in this. What can you do? And I thought we were a lot better at just being able to hold the ball and not worrying about, okay, there's no option there. We'll just we'll just take time, take 10 seconds off the clock. We'll just go back. As long as we've got the possession, we can't concede a score. And I thought we were really good at that, just taking your time, being patient, slowly working it out. And then at other times, actually going fast with it and not just taking 20 minutes to to make a decision. And so that was probably the big learning for me that we were able to go through that Fremantle defensive system. Yeah, it's a really good point. Uh, it's a very good point. The game management, it's definitely been something that we haven't mm. been able to do because we just haven't been winning games. Yeah. We don't know how to manage leads. <laughs> I think it's important. You've got to know when to take 45 seconds off a clock and, and when yeah. to just go kamikaze. 
100%. So, um, look, let's jump into some fan questions. We've got a good one here from Navy Blue Baggers who asks, TDK was insane today. Do you think this was a breakout game for him? And we also had a similar question last week. Uh, so I just, I guess I want to ask you, because he's clearly been producing and the fans are starting to see it. Did you think this was a big breakout performance for him? Yeah, definitely. It was the first time I've seen him be this forceful for that long. Mm, like he was, yeah, he was, yeah. he was right in Sean Darcy's body at all times. Didn't really get ragdolled at all. Um, got the knee up really high. Didn't allow mm. Darcy to get his knee into Deconi's yeah. leg, uh, and that was important. And uh, I actually saw him on Wednesday night after the um, the sponsors dinner, and I just had a few choice words about <laughs> Sean Darcy to him. So he listened to me. He was a man of his word, and he got the job done. <laughs> That's great to hear. I love that little bit of insight. I think I would have done the exact same thing if I was there. And I think that was the big thing for decoding it was he's up against, you know, Darcy and Lobb, who last time when Pitt went down, killed us. And the game was pretty much lost as soon as Pitt went down. So it was a bit of a worry going into this. We've seen, I guess, how he's performed sometimes, getting overworked by two really big Ruckman and opposition being able to, to work over him and Silvani. But, gee, the way he was able to perform – today was, was unbelievable. Some of the hit-outs he was winning just propelled us forward, and it was really funny, actually. I went to the game with my sister, who I don't think I've actually been to a game with her since I reckon Scott Campriali was still kicking about on the field, so that was a nice little touch. Um, but there was a funny moment because we're sitting, like, dead centre on level two on the wing, and there'd been some really horrendous bounces at one stage, and she just went, like, let's play a guessing game. Like, which way is this awful bounce going to go, left or right? It happened to just be the most perfect straight-up bounce. And as soon as that happened, we just won the clearance beautiful. De Koning had the greatest tap you'll ever see straight out. And we're like, oh, see what happens when one goes up straight? Next one, dead straight. We win the tap straight out of the straight out of the gut. So it was just a funny little thing to, to see there. But it just shows you that when they actually bounce the ball properly, I think we've got the better Ruckman there that can actually use his athleticism um, to, to beat the other Ruckman. Yeah, spot on. He was also, I think in the fourth quarter, he was also grabbing the ball and running yeah. out of out of stoppage. Mm. If that is something that he is going to start bringing to his game, mate, it slides out. Mm. Kane Corns yeah. is already going on with the $800,000 <laughs> deal, trying to get a bit of a, a spark going, and, and that's great. But if he can start showing that yeah. he can grab the ball out of the ruck and get the clearance mm. himself without needing to handball to anyone or tap mm. to anyone, that's... Not many Ruckman can do that. Yeah, and I think he's probably got the best coach to be able to teach and do that in Matty Cruiser that would just do that for fun. He'd just rove his own ball and get it going because Tom's clearly got that athleticism. He's got a bit of pace that other Ruckman don't have. If he can be clean enough, that's a really good sort of uh, bit of advantage we can cop there. I don't mind that. Absolutely. Um, so next question, we've got one from Andrew Blues, who says, how are we going to fit in all these defenders when they're fit? What a job they're all doing. So how are we going to do it, Terry? Thank goodness we're not coaches and we're just, um, <laughs> thank goodness we're armchair experts. Oh, thank <laughs> I don't God. Know. Like, yeah. It's funny, like when things aren't going well, it's very easy to say, this guy should come out, this guy should come in. Gee, when you're going well, it is impossible. And as I mentioned earlier, I was like, been trying to look at the team and I'm like, the dumbest sort of fence sitting answer ever is just, I'll just leave it up to the coaches because <laughs> I've got no idea. They are clearly the experts. They know more than me. Let them figure it out because I don't want to. Looking at, you know, if McGovern's back, do you, do, you, do you bring him straight back in? If Kemp's playing like he is, do you save him and keep him in there? I, I don't know. It is just an impossible arrangement of trying to find out our best sort of back six or seven. But I mean, at least we're now at this stage where we've still had so many injuries. And if someone else goes down, someone can step up. We, we sort of trust this for once. Yeah. Spot on. I mean, I think if I'm thinking of the guys that if they were fully fit tomorrow, do they have to play because of how good they are? Then I think, yeah. I think McGovern's in that category. I think Zach Williams is in that category. Yeah. I think Caleb Marchbank is in that category. Um, so Weedering definitely is. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah, obviously oh, Weedering yeah. is in that category. Um, wow. It's tough. Hey, we're going to win the flag. 
That's it. It's it. It's lock it in. Lock it in. How can you possibly lose with that kind of talent, mate? At least, at least we'll win the flag, and then our VFL team has to with the talent that's going to be in that squad. Absolutely. I do. I love it. Um, got another one from Lone Wolf Ant that asks, is this our best win of the year? I still hold out that round one was the best win and most important win because I was going into this season saying nothing's really changed until we yeah. beat Richmond in round one. Um, but it was as enjoyable. I think Richmond, mm-hmm. Sydney, and this one are the three yeah. best wins of the year. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think at the mid-season point, Lockie and I said that the Richmond was our best win just because of everything else that it meant apart from yeah. just winning a game of football. Finally jumping that hurdle of Richmond, it almost seems like, okay, this is our moment now. We've finally done this. And this was, I'd say this probably was our just most complete win. I thought for all four quarters, we were we were perfect. Whereas in maybe other games, we'd really dropped off and things got really nervy. I felt we were in control for for most of those four quarters. So, yeah, I probably agree with you. I think Richmond was probably our, our best, most important. But, I mean, to beat a team that we probably all didn't believe we were going to beat, knowing our, our, our maybe drop-off in form, to, to do that in the fashion we did, it, it's definitely one of our best for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, and then we've got two more questions left. Got one from Timmy Dub that says, today was the first time we have come across a team that beat us in the first half of the year. Voss not only needed to overcome deficiencies of last week, but also last time we played Frio. Can you think of any concerns over Voss's coaching? Because I know why I can't at this stage. <laughs> not at all. 10 and 4, baby. What do you mean? <laughs> I think, I think one of the critical parts of this year has been that we haven't lost two in a row and in seasons gone by it's probably taken Mm. us three games maybe four games to rectify an issue as it comes up such as the Mm -hmm. slow starts or the five goal swings which we probably didn't really ever rectify that but this year every loss that we've had we've won the next game and I think Mm -hmm. that's that's a very important sign and yeah I think we've really been able to figure things out throughout the season and there's been areas that have dropped off we come back and we fix them and it becomes a strength almost every single time. And maybe the only thing is, and, and it's it's probably the harshest thing, if I'm going to say something, this would be it. And it's just maybe the management in-game, I haven't seen necessarily consistently enough us sort of struggling and then fix the issue a couple of times. But it has been injuries as well where, you know, we lose a weedering and we didn't maybe fix it quick enough. But it's so harsh to to say that that's a fault in, in coaching because you lose your structure yeah. like that. It's always going to be almost impossible. But, I mean, everything this man's been able to do to turn us from no game style, style at all, no confidence, all these players not knowing what they're doing. And now we're talking about Matty Cottrell, Nunes and O'Brien being some of our best players this week and that they've been some of our best players for the last month of footy. Don't think I ever would have been able to say that without someone like Michael Voss being our coach. Yeah, yeah. Credit goes to Vossi and the coaching staff. Credit goes to the players. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, I was talking to one of the boys on on that Wednesday night and he was saying, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of what a coach would tell the players doesn't really change too yeah. much. Like, I don't think Vossi's telling them to do anything they've never heard of before. Um, I would guess that there is just a better level of respect with mm-hmm. Vossi just because – He's walked the walk at the highest level, yeah. you know, and he's he's done what he's asking his players to do. And I wonder if that has a, an effect on their ability to absorb that information and believe in that information. Yeah, the the leadership and motivation levels of of him and the rest of the staff, whatever they've been able to do to really get this group ticking because it's been that it's been these guys. There's so many good individuals here or there. How can you just get them all to buy in and? It seemed like no one was able to do that with this group until these guys came along. So, I mean, all credit has to go to him. Like, he's surely at this stage got to be coach of the year. He's up there. He's certainly up there. There's There's been quite a few stories like that. Um, don't want to give too much credit to the Pies, but <laughs> Craig McRae's definitely up yeah. there. I think even even Longmuir for Frio, they've mm. been pretty mighty yeah. all year. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Last question, and it was a fair few that asked this. Uh, basically, we've given a lot of praise to Hewitt and Shera, but has Lewis Young overtaken them as the pickup of the season? Yeah, I kind of alluded to that earlier. <sighs> Maybe, like yeah. it's a great, it's a great debate to have. It really is. It's if I had to rank them, oh, Hewitt one. Mm. Lewis Young 2 and Chera 3. And that's not to say yeah. Chera's been yeah. bad or awful. It's just Young's been put in a role that has become mm. so important and even more important when Weedering went out because he mm. wasn't just he wasn't just asked to be the number two option yeah. in the back line. He was asked to be the guy. And he's just he's been super. I, I did not expect him to be this good this quick, that's for sure. Mm. Oh no one, no one did. You you can't mm. expect a guy like him to even just being the number two, I think we're all just going, oh, if you can give us what Oscar McDonald gave us, we'll be happy. And he's exceeded that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, to be asked to be the leader of the defense as far as the big guys are concerned and come up against some of the key forwards that he has so far by himself, really, with an ever-changing partner out there, like that must be one of the hardest things to do. And every single week, it just gets better and better. And the fact that he's now in this conversation and you can genuinely ask the question, is he our best one? And you actually have to really think about it is just a credit to him, a credit to everyone at this football club. I I just, I'm so excited for the defense once everyone's back. And then what we're going to do over the next, who knows how many years, because if Nick Austin's finding this guy, who else is he going to find for us? How good's this, mate? We are up and about. (laughs) I love it, mate. We are always. The, the Kool-Aid has well and truly been drunk, Terry. I tell you what, it, it's hard not been, to with this lot. <laughs> this has been, this has been, or we're not even finished, but this has been the most enjoyable podcast that I've been a guest on already. I'm, I'm like, it's flying by. I'm loving it. We're just like reeling off how good everything's going. It's the best. <laughs> Mate, it definitely helps when, when there's a win. I can tell you, it can get a bit disastrous when, when we do have a loss, but at least, yeah, we always try to find the positives. And when we win, it's, don't worry about anything else. No. Let's just enjoy this one. So uh, I guess with that, let's get into the votes. And the uh, the fans have come in droves for this one. And there was clearly one guy that was by far best on. And that was the, Sammy Walsh. He got the three votes. And then crazily, there was only one vote between who got the two and who got the one. So in second place, it is Zach Fisher. And then with the one vote, it was Tom DeConing. So it was very hard to split those guys. Those were the votes. Uh, Terry, who would you give your three, two, one, two? Yeah, I gave Walshie the three. I um, I gave Fisher the two, and then I gave Lewis Young the one. Yeah, but I like there's that. so many that could have, uh, so mm. many that could have um, had the one. My play ratings hasn't come out yet. It's going to come out later this evening on the Sunday. And uh, let's just say that there's, there's, there's way too many 10s out there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I like to say. That'd be me if I was on this as well. If you chucked me in, I don't think 10, anyone's 10. getting beyond a nine. Like, what's the point? Give him a 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I've gone very similar. I think I've gone the exact same as the fans. I've gone Walshie three, Fisher two, and I've gone the king with the one. And it was so hard. There was I wanted to give one to Nunes in his 200. Thought he was unbelievable. Cottrell was good as well. Doherty, Saad, always just exceptional. Anyone in the midfield. Charlie Stiff, not to get any votes with the amount of goals that he put through. It's it's so good when we get a win and just every single player is worthy of that one vote. And yeah. it's just amazing how much times have changed. Uh, but I guess with that, we've got to park this game to one side. We've enjoyed it, clearly. Uh, but we've got to move on and think about next week. And that is against St. Kilda. It's another big matchup against another top eight contender, They've just dropped out of the eight after three losses in a row, losing to Brisbane, Essendon, and now Sydney. So they will be looking to try and uh, bounce back, and I believe they'll be coming out pretty strong. What's probably the the key to victory in this one for you, Tez? Um, It's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, it is a big question. I'm just – I didn't realize that they've lost three in a row. That's Mm. not ideal because they are a good team. I don't yeah. think they're a bad team. They've started very well and they're probably just, you know, having their lull in their season that most teams have. Mm. The key is clearly going to be what it was with Fremantle. Like, yeah. Win it at the source, get it in our forward third, lock it in, we win the game. I, I just think yeah. the more opportunities 
we give Harry and Charlie mm-hmm. to have the ball in their dangerous areas, I just feel like more times yeah. than not good things are going to happen. And I know it's yeah. a really simple way to look at it, but win it at the source and let the rest happen from there. We've proven mm-hmm. that we can score off turnover. We've proven that we can score from the wings, from the wide um, mm-hmm. wide angles and create uh, different angles for ourselves moving forward. We've proven that we can score from defense. Yeah. Just got to win the damn football. Um, yeah. And, you know, the crowd, again, we'll get into it. We'll pack out Marvel again and uh, and bring it home, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's like it is a simple game at the end of the day, and you're not wrong, particularly the way we're playing. It's if we win the clearances – we're winning the game because good luck stopping our two key talls. And then if the ball falls on the ground, we know when our smalls are at the best, the pressure that they bring, we're going to win the ball and we're going to put it on the scoreboard. We do that, we win. And I think with St. Kilda in particular, they're very sort of that manic pressure, manic moving the ball pretty fast with their midfield. And so if we win the ball first, that's not happening. And if, if we're able to do this team defense like we've been able to do in these last few weeks and really nullify the other team's attack, like I don't want to be maybe a bit rude to St. Kilda, but I honestly think that if we're able to just stop their spread, I don't think they have much else apart from that. And I think they can crumble when the pressure's hot. So if we can do what we did this week, every everyone be up and playing their best football, I think we win. I love it. Uh, I mean, imagine I mean, we, we were talking about <laughs> it on Monday last week. We were, like I asked the question to the audience, like what what would you expect from the next two games being Frio mm. and, and St. Kilda? And most people said, oh, if we can just pinch one of the two, yeah. why can't we win both of them? Yeah. You know? Well, that, yeah, that's been the funny thing. Like I know I'm pretty much every day on the ladder predictor changing things <laughs> up, saying, okay, if we win this one, what happens? And I'm not I'm not stressing like at one stage I had us losing like every single game and then seeing what we could do and I'm not too fussed because I believe in us enough that we'll win the next one. If we lose one, we'll bounce back and win one. We we probably shouldn't. And that kind of happened this week. And looking at it now, I probably in my ladder predictor have tried to go as conservative as possible and say, look, worst case we probably lose to Frio. Where do we have to find our wins? And then St. Kilda was one of those where you're looking at where the top eight is at, where those teams around you finish, and you're going, okay, if we lose that one, we have to win this. And now that we've we've beaten Frio, you win this. That really just completely sets your season up, and hopefully some other results can go your way and you can start to kick away from, from those around that sort of bottom section of the ladder. So it, it weirdly becomes an important one, but then in saying that, if we lose, anything can happen and we can easily make up that win somewhere else. Spot on. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully on board, full, full, full belief, mm. and I expect us to lose games. I expect yeah. us to have weeks coming where the energy levels are just not there mm. They're just because I understand mm. that it's hard to just keep them at, the, yeah. at their peak for so long. So it's just about there's a funny thing about like how we lose. Like you, you and I, yeah. our lives, we know what diabolical looks like, you know, when we lose. Oh, yeah. Oh, when yeah. we lose this year, it's not diabolical. It's yeah. it's disappointing and you want more mm. and you're frustrated, but it's not like you're not questioning like the existence of the club and what it stands <laughs> for. Like, what's going on? You know? so, oh, yeah. yeah. It was grim last year on some of those losses where you're like, what is I, – I don't know anything that's good anymore <laughs> with this. And then, yeah, I agree with you. Like this year, it's just been, okay, well, we maybe didn't have this player or this player went down injured and that – issue there were the other issues that stemmed off that but we were still able to keep fighting keep trying but we, we failed in one area and then what can we do next week and it seems like we fix that every time so there's just this incredible belief now i think with all fans and chatting to so many random people at the footy that you do everyone is just buying in to, to what's going on and it's finally just such an exciting place to be at, at the carlton footy club absolutely love it um Going into changes, I know we've spoken about how neither of us want to be anywhere near that selection table. Don't want a chair. I'll sit in the corner and just watch. But if you're having to make changes this week, what are you doing? Because you can do it this couple of ways. Because if I guess if a weedering's fit, who's coming out? If a chair is fit, who's coming out? Um, and then you've got, you know, an always. Is he coming back into this team? Is Boyd okay? I guess where are you sort of sitting around changes this week? So if I'm looking at who is going to be available as like a best guess, because I don't know, yeah. I would guess Chera's ready. 
I would guess Martin will be ready to play. I would guess Owies would be ready to play. Weedering not as confident on this week as what I would yeah. be the week after. But let's just say Weedering yeah. is fit as well. Uh, I think oh, I think Honey would come out for Martin yeah. or, or Owies. I think Motlop would also come out for, for Owies. So I think Motlop mm. and Honey would be out for Martin and Owies. If Chair is fit... I don't know. Like, who are you dropping? <laughs> oh, Honestly, so hard. Who, who are you dropping? Um, if Weedering's fit, obviously it'd be stiff, but probably um, probably Kemp. However, yeah, because yeah. Jordan Boyd looked like he hurt himself and was subbed, mm-hmm. maybe you just bring in Weedering and you have Brody Kemp stay and play a little yeah. bit more of a small defensive role. But the Chera one, like which midfielder are you dropping? Mm. Yeah. See, that's, that's where I'm almost thinking, and I, I don't know if they'll do this, but it's – Okay, always probably comes back in because he's been our number one pressure forward. So I guess Honey comes out for that. Um, but then he, Honey almost plays that little bit more half forward. Do you t- then take Motlop out because he was the the last in and just bring Chera in for him? And then it's not ideal, but Fisher maybe then has to shift back into a little bit more of his half forward role. But I think at least... Now, Fisher's shown a bit more what he can do in the midfield. So I wouldn't want him to drop too much of those midfield minutes for Chera, but at least you know he can play that half forward and sort of move those magnets around in a way. I think that's probably what I'd do. And then, yeah, I think I'm the same as you. It's Weedering probably has to come in straight for Kemp, but I'd love them to find a way to keep Kemp in there because it, it's been tough for a Kemp. You're looking at a guy that gets drafted COVID hits and you're not even playing VFL football. It's six on six scrap matches that what the hell are you learning from that for a season? And then now you're a forward. Now you're in defense. We've seen how hard that was for Jacob Weedering at times and the superstar he was from getting shifted back and forth. So I would just love him to get a bit more time at AFL level just to see what he's like. But yeah. I, I guess we're finally in that stage where we're a really good team and Sometimes you've got to make these hard calls because you've just got to have the best team in there. Yeah. I think also with Weedering, um, like an AC joint, is it's it's a tough mm. injury, but it also it's one of those things that, you know, when you're back, you're ready. Um, yeah. And I just want to be mindful that we're not bringing him back too early. Mm. I don't think we're desperate. Like we have to win this game to make yeah. finals or we have to play kind of thing. So if he if he needs an extra week, give it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, if he is ready to go, which I would trust him and yeah. everyone else involved to make that call. If he is ready to go, yeah, he, he's going to have to play because he's yeah. Jacob Weedering, you know, hundred percent. And it's weird. There's a part of me also that is going to sound like the dumbest thing, but I kind of want to see what Young can do on a king. Totally, like when he's you. up against someone like that because he's got the height. Just you've had all these tests. You might lose this one. That's fine. I get it. Like their key defenders lost to to Charlie. And it's like, it's going to happen. There's going to be your key forwards that are superstars that will kick goals. But there's a part of me that wants to just see one more week of what Lewis Young can do. And then it's like, okay, Weedering's back. Now we've got this amazing defense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like that. But yeah, but in saying that, if Weedering's fit, oh my God, bring him in, please. Because yes. I want to win every single game of footy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see him yeah. play every single game. Legit. Um, well, let us know in the comments if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, what changes you'd make because we're struggling and you guys definitely are good with your changes. So definitely hit us up in those comments. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on at all about the uh, the St Kilda game or anything like that, Terry? Get to the stadium because it makes a difference. <laughs> it does. It does. And that noise. It's like, how are you sitting at home going? I don't want to be a part of that. So 100%. If you if you are able to come to the footy, you've got to do it because it's one of the most fun things you can do out there. And, look, that's probably going to, I guess, wrap up this episode. Got to say big thanks to you, Terry, to uh, filling in as the co-host. He's obviously the, the big man, the king of the Blue Abroad YouTube channel. So head over there. That is Blue Abroad. You probably know it already, but if you don't, head over to there on YouTube. There is so much happening. There are watch-alongs. There are match reviews. There's a Monday episode where you get different guests on every week to uh, talk about Carlton and the game that was, all the news. There is just so many other shows that are part of this amazing network you've built up. 
Um, so just got to say big thanks to you for what you've been able to do in this Carlton community. Um, it's definitely been a great one to join. So, look, any final words from you, Terry? No, I appreciate that, mate. Really, really, really kind words. And I, I think it's just, I, I mean, I love it. Like the reason why I started this whole thing was was out of a pursuit of, you know, what do I want to do with my life and can I build something out of my real passion? And you're right, it's become a bit of a network um, and I didn't expect it to, but to see <laughs> the other podcasts, the other shows, to see the Carlton community as a whole just take control and ownership over our own media mm. is fascinating because you can see that there's a real divide between what we get on the mainstream and, yeah. and what we actually want to see as, as fans. And I think the Carlton community, no, I know that the Carlton community lead the way in the fan content space. And, you know, um, mate, it's been great to see you guys developing as well. And like, why not? Like just have a crack out mm. there. The internet's changed the game for everyone. The distribution platforms are different now and, um, it's just really cool to see this growing, not just for for my sake, for Blue Abroad, but just for everyone as well. Like there's mm-hmm. there's plenty to go around, and everyone everyone can um, can get amongst it. So yeah, well done to you guys for um, for growing to the level that you have as well. Now I appreciate that, and I think you've just you've nailed that. It's a perfect uh, note to end on. So yes, we will be back here next week after we've absolutely pumped the Sainters. But it's been an absolute great win against Frio this week. See you guys next time. Go Blues!